Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicularist. Let's start off by saying that I'm still sick, but... I've just uh, chugged a bunch of cough medicine, which will make for a very interesting episode, no doubt, no deity. Something I like to say at the top of our show is that there will be spoilers. I say this for the reason that there will be spoilers, and this warns of them, hence the name. Another thing I say at the top of every show for some reason, no idea why, is that... If you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. Oh my god. That is re-donkey-lips. Re-donkey-lips. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes. Because that is uh, good for podcasts, and this is one. So hey, be good. Be good. Uh, I think without further ado, I will push a button and get us started thusly. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Tarantino brand stage blood. <coughs> blood. <coughs> There's those coughings that I should cut out and probably will if I remember to do so. Movie the first is titled The Hateful Eight. Yes. Uh, I think just as far as a body of work, uh, Quentin Tarantino's got to be my favorite just period. I don't think he can put out a bad movie. Uh, you know what? Uh, that reminds me. I very infrequently think beforehand what I'm going to rate movies. Just about never. Uh, so it's interesting that this made me think of that uh, beforehand. My, my, my sort of thought process of uh, rating a Tarantino movie is... Uh, this movie against other movies, I'm going to go 5 out of 5. Loved it. Loved it. This movie against other Tarantino movies, maybe a little bit lower, four or three. Just if you compare it to his body of work. Uh, it's not my favorite, yet I still loved it. Okay? If you're unfamiliar with this movie, um, it's a western. It is three hours and seven minutes long. I somehow, some way, managed to talk the missus into watching this, which is sort of a theme in my life. I remember, uh, and the date shall remain nameless, but I was on a date once, uh, and we saw uh, Planet Terror and Death Proof, the double feature, and my date after, whichever one was first, uh, I think it was Planet Terror was first? I can't remember which one was first. 
Uh, anyway, she wanted to leave after the first one, and I basically said no. What a fucking asshole. Uh, yeah, that didn't work out between me and that girl, obviously. But still, you can't leave halfway through a Tarantino movie. Uh, so the missus, <laughs> I talked her into watching this. We did do it in two parts, more for technical reasons. Uh, we wanted to watch it on a TV, on a big TV, and uh, I had a little trouble uh, getting that. Anyways, I don't need to go into that. Um, super bloody, Tarantino-esque, 5 out of 5. I'm not going to go into it more than that because I'm on a bit of a timeline crunch in this episode in terms of I want to actually stick to the timeline for a change. So uh, let's move on to movie the second called Dope. D-O-P-E. Dope. Uh, uh, let me read the uh, life changes for Malcolm, a geek who's surviving life in a tough neighborhood after a chance invitation to an underground party leads him and his friends into a Los Angeles adventure. Uh, reading that makes me think, man, this movie's going to be awesome. I'm going to give it a five out of five. Uh, I think it's a little misleading in terms of the whole geek aspect. They didn't really play up to that to its full effect. I would say. Um, I was expecting maybe a little more along the line of super bad, that sort of idea, but, uh, it didn't really have that to that degree. Anyways, it had some of that, that sort of vibe, but, but not as much, uh, rating wise, I, I think because I was a little disappointed by that fact, I'd have to go, I'd have to go three out of five. Now that's not to say I didn't like it. If you are unfamiliar with my rating system, that just means I probably wouldn't watch it again. So I enjoyed it while watching it, but uh, I don't think I'd ever revisit the movie Dope. Uh, the kids in it were good. Um, who else did we have? There were some names in it, wasn't there? Or was there not? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I don't remember. Anyways, uh, we got to move on because, again, as I say, deadline. Uh, Rock the Casbah is our next film. Starring none other than Mr. Bill Murray. Oh, you know what? I could do a similar thing uh, with Bill Murray that I do for Quentin Tarantino, and that is give this movie high marks because it has Bill Murray in it, and I love just about everything he's ever been in, and yet, compared to his other films, give it a much lower mark, just because it didn't really didn't really feel like much of a movie, per se. Like, not much happened exactly uh, uh, it's almost hard to pinpoint what the if there is a problem of this movie it definitely wasn't well received uh, critics and fans alike did not care for it uh, that being said i'm still gonna give it a, a three out of five maybe even for the fact that it's bill murray i bump it up to a four out of five like i could see maybe down the road many years if i ever do like a bill murray movie marathon i wouldn't skip this one so you know there's that uh okay so one more movie called before i disappear uh this as usual or not as usual but <coughs> goddamn sick of being sick man i always tell you uh uh, not as usual, but as often happens, uh, I will try to find a good Sunday movie flick, because a lot of my movie viewings is done on Sunday, is done. Well, that doesn't make sense, but I'm sick, leave me alone. Uh, so this really, really good Sunday movie flick, it's called Before I Disappear. Um, what can I say of this movie? 
Uh, we'll do the sort of typical, if you watch this on a Sunday, I'll go 5 out of 5. That's how much I enjoyed it. If you watch it on another day, maybe I'd give it less. Uh, it's weird, which I enjoy. Uh, heartfelt uh, warming of cockles will be had. Uh, at the lowest point in his life, Richie gets a call from his estranged sister asking him to look after his 11-year-old niece for a few hours. It's a very good des- description of this movie. Uh, th- probably the best way to describe this is that when that call took place, he was in a bathtub sort of filling with his own blood because he was committing suicide, sort of in the process of. So that gives you a sort of an idea of the darkness of this movie. And it is a very, very dark movie. Uh, just a, a final note of this movie. What is the actress's name? The 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 young girl in this friggin' incredible, uh, Fatima Patakik, Patakik, P T A C E K. I don't know how you pr- would pronounce that. Anyways, uh, what I wanted to say of her is like uh, Emma Watson, like who have I made this? Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, there's some actresses that from time to time I'll point out that not only. Uh, you could tell that uh, they're going to be hot when they're older. Uh, but uh, they will be around f- not for the reason of their hotness, because, you know, who cares in the long run of that, but because they're amazing actresses. Uh, this girl definitely I'm adding to that list. Uh, just an incredible performance. And I uh, hope to see much, much more of her. Please and thank you. Today's Television Talk sponsor is the Pre-Apocalypse Preparedness Kit. Are you prepared to not have an apocalypse? Well, better get this kit, I guess. Okay, uh, so i uh, got a, a new television show. Uh, it's soon to be old in the sense that I am within episodes of completing it. Uh, the television show was called Jericho. Uh, Jericho is a show from 2006 that I always regretted not watching it always looked like something that was totally up my alley so uh when i saw it was available on netflix i'm like yeah thank you netflix for helping me right this wrong of not watching this tv show uh (laughs) the strange thing about this it has a kind of a 90s feel but uh, i'm just reading it came out in 2006 i thought it was older than that huh Really makes you think. That was 10 years ago. Okay, well, I guess that makes sense. Anyways, uh, so this is a show that takes place uh, post-apocalypse. Well, well, a little pre, a little during, and a lot of post. Let's let's put it that way. Um, as happens on this podcast from time to time, I will mention that for some strange reason, and I'm obviously not alone in this fact, uh, I've got a an obsession with the apocalypse. Uh, just in terms of any form of media, be it video game, the Fallout series being my favorite video game series, for example. Uh, Some of my favorite books are of the post-apocalyptic, like, um, what the hell is that, Stephen King? Well, Dark Tower to a degree. And The Stand. Oh, man, if you haven't read The Stand, do yourself a favor there. Uh, TV shows, you don't have too much in the way of post-apocalyptic. So when this came along, I'm surprised I didn't jump on it. 
uh, now that I have, I will say, it's very, very good. Very, very well done. Uh, it does have that kind of corniness 90s feel to it, though, from time to time, which is a hard thing to explain. So I won't. <laughs> Uh, uh, okay, so let me see if I could read a little bit about it, <clears throat> of the synopsis. Uh, so residents of a small Kansas town um, in the U.S. where uh, suddenly one day a bunch of atomic bombs go off in not every major city, but in enough to really fuck shit up <laughs> to the degree where they're, uh, it, at least for a large chunk of it, cut off from the rest of the world. Um, eventually we'll reach a point where they're not cut off from the rest of the world, and seemingly you would think that is a good thing, but not necessarily it is, uh, when the people who are coming in are sometimes assholes and such. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 that's cool right there, but they added a little twist where there's this guy... Uh, I'm not good with names, but he's an actor I've seen before, who's sort of living in the town and knows all about why this happened, and it sort of trickles out over the course of the two seasons, I should say, the show's two seasons, uh, what, what happened, why it happened, who's to blame, um, and the, 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 the pace at which things are revealed is really well done. Very reminiscent, actually, of the television show Lost. Uh, I'm hoping... And maybe I'll mention at this point. Oh, I already did mention. I'm not 100% done. I think I have three episodes to go. I'm hoping that there's some sort of payoff at the end. Uh, my my greatest fear is that uh, the first season was 20-some-odd episodes. The second season was only seven episodes. So my sort of fear is that they got to seven episodes and then just stopped and nothing will be resolved. So, hmm. Oh, you know what I'm seeing right now? Uh, they did a season three and four in comic book series as a comic book series, so maybe I'll have to check that out. Like I did for uh, what was the Buffy ones? Buffy season seven and eight. Huh, interesting. Uh, rating wise, did I give it already? I don't think I did. So far, I go a solid, solid four. And this is, uh, I think, a good way to think of this TV show. Solid four so far, and depending on how it resolves itself will either move down to a 3 or move up, potentially even to a 5, if things go where I sort of think they might be headed. Cool beans, Jericho. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Today's book banter sponsor is Freeman Crowbars Incorporated. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, did a little blast from the past. Uh, played a game that was, I do believe, probably not the first PC game I ever played, but the first that really stands out in my mind that sort of shaped me into the friggin' video game player I am today, no doubt. Uh, and that is a game called Half-Life. Yes, that one. Uh, available on Steam. Uh, I think I did mention last episode that it, Steam had a Chinese New Year's sale for some reason. Uh, and one of the things that was on sale was Half-Life, uh, which was, I think, a dollar. A dollar for friggin' Half-Life. 
Uh, probably even not on sale. This is maybe $5 maximum. And I'll tell you, something shocking of this game is how well it stands up. Uh, you know what? I should have had have this open. So Half-Life game. I don't know why I didn't have this open. I want to see what year, uh, <clears throat> what year it came out. 1998. So video gaming in 1998. This was sort of the pinnacle. And uh, replaying this over the course of the weekend really, really hit the <laughs> hit the nostalgic feels like a goddamn anvil landing on some sort of cartoon character. Uh, I do remember, and I should thank my uncle for this, he, uh, well, probably passed the statute of limitations here, somehow got his hands on a, like a, a an illegal copy of this game or some such, uh, and gave it to me at a very, well, let's see, this would be easy math for 1981, this would be easy math for uh, most people. Uh, I was 17 years old. Okay, so I was pretty old. Never mind. I felt like I was younger than that. Uh, yeah, so anyways, if you're unfamiliar with Half-Life, uh, this is a sort of classic pity and envy situation. Pity, because you're unfamiliar with Half-Life. Envy, because you can play from the very beginning, this very first game, uh, all the way to episode two, episode two. Uh, and then be disappointed that there's no episode three, like the rest of us. Uh, you're uh, Gordon. You play as Gordon Freeman, a scientist. So that sort of tickled my fancy, being the nerdish person that I was and am. Uh, a scientific experiment goes awry, and from there, pretty much shit is downhill. Um, basically, you open up a portal to another universe where shit comes through that is not a big fan of uh, the human race and tries to kill you and such. Uh, where it really gets interesting and sort of takes a turn is you eventually reach a point in the game where, uh, I guess, the army or the government or some such comes in, uh, presumably to save you from this threat, but instead they're there to contain the threat and just start killing anything that is not them. So you're fighting monsters, you're fighting the army, you're shooting fucking helicopters out of the sky, you're traveling to the alternate dimension to... That part got weird. Uh, when you travel to the alternate dimension uh, and have to fight them on their own home turf, friggin' crazy shit, man. Uh... This game, back in the day, blew my mind away. Got a 5 out of 5 back then, even though I wasn't, uh, you know, having a podcast or reviewing things. Uh, today, after replaying it, still stands up so, so well. Gets a 5 out of 5. You know what? Um, I debated someone took this game and sort of remastered it to make it look pretty. Uh, and I think that was like 20 bucks or something like that. But you, you don't need that. Get Get this old version. Get this $1 version. And you will be amazed at how well just the gameplay. Granted, it's not super super pretty. It's not the most beautiful game you're, you're gonna play in your life, but it, it it gets a job. It gets a job done very very well, and the nostalgia factor alone, just like I was seeing things and 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 it was just triggering a response like, oh shit, yeah, I remember that guy, or oh shit, yeah, I forgot this part. Uh, just incredible. Love Zet.
Today's game, Gavin sponsor, is Joe versus the Sharknado. Joe versus the Sharknado. <coughs> Google it. <coughs> okay, uh, so have oh yeah yeah this one was cool. Uh, PewDiePie, which I've uh, brought back from time to time, uh, the most popular YouTuber, just I think period, full stop. Uh, I watch, he posts, uh, oh geez, I don't know, between five and ten videos a week. I usually pick two or three ones that sort of jump out at me, uh, look cool. Uh, this one looked cool for sort of different reason. It was his uh, Firewatch full game playthrough. What? So uh, there's a video game that just came out called Firewatch, uh, critically acclaimed I was looking at getting it and thought, you know what, maybe I'll wait until the price goes down a bit because it was still kind of expensive. Uh, I should have looked up who it's from. It's from, uh, is it from the creator of Bastion as well? Anyways, it's from a a very critically acclaimed video game maker. Uh, So it's got a lot of pedigree. uh, It's got really good reviews. So I thought eventually I would play it. Uh, Then I heard the combination of I saw the price and heard that it wasn't a very long game, which I'm always sort of leery of. I shouldn't be, and that's not something a professional video video game reviewer would ever say in a million years. But again, I'm not a professional. Uh, So I I kind of held back on buying it. Then I saw this video. It is PewDiePie playing the entire game. So what I did, and this was almost three hours long, so, you know, short for your video game, long for a friggin' YouTube video... Uh, I watched him play through the whole thing and sort of had the, uh, maybe not the same experience, but uh, nonetheless a very enjoyable experience watching it through the eyes of someone else. There was the occasional time where I was frustrated saying, no, no, do this. Or <laughs> or it's like sitting in the movie theater and saying, no, don't go in there. Uh, there there was a few moments like that. but 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 overall, it was incredible to see someone's mind working through this seemingly very very uh, incredible video game experience it, definitely it is more story driven than game driven reminded me of what was that one i talked about it on the podcast i forget what it was where basically you're going around solving puzzles and as you solve puzzles that's opening up the story of what happened to you uh, this all takes place in i think it was colorado where you are a fire marshal in the middle of sort of nowhere in the middle of the woods watching for fires uh, and a whole story opens up that I will not go into because we don't have time because I've got to move on to this next item which is Conan O'Brien visits his wax figure Conan O'Brien again this is TV but as I always mention I watch my TV online so I can jam it into internet intercourse if I goddamn well want to shut up Anyways, Conan O'Brien, uh, I think I've said this before, is probably the best uh, when it comes to remotes. So uh, take any just person, <laughs> I don't know, late night talk show host or person in general, and throw them in a situation where they're uh, interviewing, talking to people, 
putting people at ease, making fun of them, uh, bringing comedy to you watching this happen and watching this unfold. I think he is probably the best. Just incredible at it. So to see him go to a Madame Tussauds wax... I think it was a Madame Tussauds. Must have been. Uh, and visit his wax uh, replica of himself and sort of interacting with people was incredible. The highlight for me was uh, him talking to a bunch of, I think they were young Korean girls. They had no, no idea who he was, uh, which he enjoyed very, very much. I think he let them know that he had sex with Kim Kardashian. Or, no, no, uh, not Kim Kardashian. Uh, I don't know, some celebrity, I forget who it was. Very, very funny, highly recommend. Gotta move on to uh, Periscope. Oh, yeah. Uh, very infrequently, and I should do it more, do I bring back... Uh, apps or websites. However, this is intercourse of the interwebs. So I should do that more often. Uh, I don't know why I don't. So uh, I thought I'd bring this one back because it's a cool little uh, thing that I've experienced lately. Well, it's not that new. It's new to me and maybe new to you. Uh, basically what it is is an app on your phone where you can chat with people all over the world. Uh, so for, be they average Joe Blows, like myself, or famous people as well. Uh, so basically I'll open up the app and I'll have one of two options. To uh, go online videoing myself and sending that out to the world for people to join and then say ask me questions or anything of that nature. Uh, hopefully not getting too risque there. <laughs> or I can go on and say, uh, you know, what? what's this one guy in Russia doing right this second? And then I can watch his video of what he's doing and then ask him questions or, or talk to him. Uh, very, very cool idea. And I, I got to say incredibly addictive. Uh, would highly recommend it. Uh, the missus and I did a little bit of it. We did more of the zooming around the world and asking people things. There's also, uh, you can follow people. So when they're online, you'll see when they're online. Uh, there's also famous folk who do this. Uh, probably Brody Stevens is one of the, uh, I don't know, most famous periscopers, but that's probably a somewhat accurate statement. Um, anyways, check it out. Something cool and different, and why not? Uh, okay, so uh, we're out of time, so I'll have to just say <laughs> for well, I was going to talk about some podcasts, but I uh, ran out of time. Let's just say uh, Harmontown's still chugging along. I'm on episode 80-something, and uh, man, this show. I, uh, I'll say it before, and I will say it again, that I wish Dan Harmon was my father. Just period. Full stop. Folks. That leaves the final thing to say, which is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Oh, shit. I think I fucked something up there. Alright, so I'm pretty sure what I did is skip to book banter. <laughs> okay. <coughs> okay, so what I've done is ignored book banter and recorded the game cabin in that section. Really fucked it up. Okay, so 
why don't I just jam it in now? And we'll call this episode a messy, goopy, what happened mistake. Maybe that'll be the title. Okay, uh, today's book banter sponsor is uh, Furniture Made of Bones, Ikea. Like Ikea, but all the furniture is made of bones. Oh boy, really fuck that one up. I've never done that before. That's uh, that's an interesting, uh, interesting fuck up. Okay, uh, so... Oh, I don't even have this open. Well, th- that was my problem. I didn't have this page open. The Wikipedia page for the book, The Dragonborn Chair... Dragon Bone? The Dragon Bone Chair, rather, uh, by Mr. Tad Williams. Uh, I've read some Tad Williams in the past, and uh, when I saw that uh, I had not yet touched on much in the way of his fantasy, what did I read? Uh, a series called Otherland. That was very good. Uh, five and five, sure. Uh, I thought, man, you know what? I've, I'm in the mood for a goddamn fantasy. Uh, what do I got? And then I saw this, and I'm like, yes. And uh, I want to say that I do have maybe 100 pages to go of the first book. So, like with my uh, Jericho, uh, you know, full disclosure, I'm not 100% complete. But I will say, uh, I don't think there's any way possible for this book to go anywhere other than the 5 out of 5 that I'm already going to give it. Just an incredible... Uh, an incredible fantasy first book of a trilogy. Um, I knew within the first hundred pages, this had all the elements of things I love in fantasy novels, things that in other series, um, sort of uh, uh, benchmarks that it has hit, that other uh, other of my favorite series have hit. Um, I think the main sort of thing, something that... Uh, it almost seems like it's hard to screw up. And it's the idea of taking a kid or a young man, sort of maybe a little gawky, maybe a little on the nerdish, outcasty side, uh, and then having a series of events that throw him into an adventure. Um, probably, uh, and this is me just sort of off the top of my head thinking why that works well as often as it does is the idea that uh, we're the reader more able to throw ourselves into the role of the protagonist if it starts off as sort of uh, a a normal everyday guy or gal Uh, and then from that point we can say okay what would I do in this situation and we can see how things progress from that point Uh, so uh, in the case here, uh, the protagonist is the boy by the name of Simon. He's 14-year-old kitchen servant. Uh, eventually, he becomes an apprentice to this uh, doctor. Doctor, uh, magician, I, I don't want to throw magician around because although magic exists in this world, in this universe, uh, it's not sort of guys throwing spells at each other. It's much more subtle than that. Which uh, I can appreciate. Uh, I can appreciate that. And I can appreciate when they try to explain why magic exists. Which I suppose there's some of that in this. Anyways, uh, a series of events happen in where he lives that sort of throw the realm into chaos. Uh, As in other books, and this is something I've seen before. it, It starts with the weather. So 
they're living in a land like ours where there's seasons. All of a sudden, the seasons sort of stop and it gets incredibly hot or incredibly cold. Uh, that's the sort of go-to, uh, which, which means people can't grow their food. Uh, people turn to banditry, things of that nature. Chaos ensues, let's just say. Uh, why is this happening? Uh, and the reason this is happening is another sort of amazing thing that, uh, although happens a lot in fantasy, doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. Uh, maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Let me just tell you what it is. Uh, and that is that sort of, uh, awakening, uh, that sort of awakening evil presence. So, uh, in ages past, there was a great evil that was defeated, but now it's rumbling again and starting to awaken. Uh, how does Simon uh, get involved with this? He's sort of, uh, <laughs> quintessential in the wrong place at the wrong time, repeatedly guy. <laughs> so it's kind of funny to see him stumble and fumble his way through uh, events that he could just as easily be in his room having a nap because uh, he's a bit of a lazy guy. <laughs> but no, he's sort of touring around and comes across things that maybe he shouldn't have that uh, get him thrown into this uh, good versus evil battle to prevent the destruction of the entire world, basically. Uh, and that's just the first book. Uh, right now, where I've sort of left off, they're looking for um, two of three magical swords. So a quest. Oh, man, a quest. Uh, f how many times have I spoken of fantasy with regards to quests? Something about traveling from point A to point B with things in between that are trying to prevent you from doing so. Something about that, um, I don't know, really, really gets me really really gets me every time some of my favorite fantasy are, are just that a quest i love a fucking quest folks it's still nice to be nice to the nice you know just because we fucked up this one doesn't mean you have to not be nice to the nice to the nice to the nice done and done and i mean done done and done <laughs> i like ron This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Nah, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? 
has yet to come. Live long and prosper.